I'm, I need a chapstick. Sorry. It's going to be a bad, bad pod if I had to worry about my lips for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. We good now? We good? Happy I'm to be here. Myself as well. All right. Welcome back, boys, to another episode of Canon Side Chats. Recorded rather quicker in succession from our last one than than previously before, so happy about that. Also happy to be talking after a much-deserved 3-2 victory over Manchester United. Um, te- kept it interesting from, from kickoff to the last kick of the game. Um, today I'm joined to talk about that by Bex and Sam. Beckett, how are you doing? Your defense is in trouble. In Ketia in the room. Doing great, man. Glad to be back. And Sam. Sam, how are you doing? Yes, sir. Glad to be back to talk about a win. It's been a while, so uh, looking forward to getting into it. Get into it. We shall. We shall. An unchanged 11 from our previous victory over Tottenham. Um, no Casemiro for United, though, which which I'm sure we'll talk about, but obviously a huge, huge boost for the Gunners in this game. Uh, what do you guys think going in? Any nerves, any worries, anything whatsoever? Um, we started out hot, as as we typically do, dominated the ball for the first few minutes of the game, fashioned some chances. So what, what were you guys thinking going into it in, in the opening few minutes? I think I was a little... I told you last week that I wasn't... I haven't been anxious, like, all season, but I this was the one that I've been anxious for. Um, I don't know. United always seem to get something to go their way in games against us so i was a little nervous but yeah like you said we flew out of the gates hot probably the first 15 minutes we were just all over them so i quickly felt pretty good about how we were playing um but i i we just needed to see how long we could hold that control and maybe get something early but yeah i I started to feel better pretty quickly yeah definitely going into the game i was a little nervous as well compared to the matches before that and i was thinking you know i'd really love to get a win and kind of get back at them for them being the only team to beat us this far um but i think i would have been happy um with a draw going into the game um but then after the game kind of played out um i thought we ended up getting the deserved three points yeah definitely and it comes at a great time after Manchester City really narrowed the gap in a 3-0 victory right before us. So the pressure was on, put on immediately um, before the game, and we were able to respond in a, in a brilliant manner. And yeah, like you said, Manchester United almost always get something to go their way when they play Arsenal. So I thought that might have came early, early in the match when Bruno has that little pinch out that he wants to go far and I mean, talk about that. What were you thinking about that? I, I, that dude's so soft. Bruno is just so soft, and he continued. You texted me immediately after it. You said he was a twat. I agree, <laughs> and he just continued to be like that the entire game. Oh yeah, he was just constantly nagging. I will say that's not as bad as his his teammates' little flop later on in the game, but I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, De Gea in that a little bit later. Yeah, I just love that in the in the immediate aftermath of Bruno trying to finagle his way into a penalty on on that Ramsdale incident, um, Gabriel absolutely sticks him, and Bruno 
takes a little bite while he's on the ground, and Gabriel just has have none of it. And then uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but after the game, Gabriel posted his Instagram picture, and it was him just looking down on it on him. And Bruno looks like he's about to shit his pants, as would probably anyone in the prim if that guy's looking at you like that. Um, so I just love that not having any of it, and you know, Arsenal teams in the past would would have allowed someone like that to bully them. And it's just nice to see players sticking up for themselves and, and for their teammates as well now too. And you can't bully, bully this Arsenal team anymore, which is obviously really, really, really encouraging. After that, I think really the next big, big moment is Rashford's, Rashford's goal uh, comes off of two partiest, two party mistakes. Really? He gives the ball away and then, kind of gets done up in open field by Rashford and allows him into some space, but can't take anything away from that hit. And that's an incredible strike. So what were you guys thinking about that, that incident? Um, Party obviously could have done a lot better. I think his pass probably should have been in the air, but Ben White goes on the overlap, which it's early. And so that's probably what you're expecting him to do is go on the overlap. But I think a lot of his runs were not great overlaps in the first half. One time he almost runs into Saka on the end line. And so I think him being caught up high too kind of expedites the problem. But yeah, it's they still get a half chance out of it. Without a Rashford worldly, it's not really that big of a goal-scoring opportunity. And you don't want Thomas not to try to play adventurous passes. So it it takes a world-class hit. Yeah, definitely, and that was one of my biggest worries coming into the game. It's just not necessarily just the form of Men United, but the form of Marcus Rashford, given that since the World Cup, he's just been on absolute tear. I think he's scored in every game but one since then, so you know he's always capable of that, and obviously we could have done things to prevent him from even having the chance, but whenever you look at the chance and the replay, it just kind of gets more impressive because he intercepts the ball and then does party up and then was just with a pill. So you got to give him credit where credit's due there. Yeah. Rashford has been in an incredible vein of form. I think he scored even again today in their game against Nottingham Forest, an incredible solo goal, um, picked it up in his own half and ran all the way down. But this is not a United or Marcus Rashford podcast, so we're not going <laughs> to speak on that anymore. I thought he elastic code that cut back. I thought it was an elastico. Bukayo is still clear, so we don't have to worry about that <laughs> argument. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um yeah. So, expanding on that, I saw Tom's party getting quite a bit of hate online. Um I don't want to say hate, but people are being rather harsh about his performance, about him not being up to it in that game. What do you guys think about Tom's party in in the Manchester United game? I I thought he had a great game. I mean, he had the whole team was kind of sloppy in the first half, and it we you come out of the first half, we had a lot of the momentum, and you have it tied. I know we'll get to the goal, but the whole team kind of was a little off, and we could have played a lot better. He made a mistake that led to a goal, but after that, ah, oh, dude, there's comps out there that you can look up with his defensive actions and what he was doing throughout the whole game. I thought he had a great game. I mean, I don't, I don't know where any hate's coming for. Yeah, I mean, obviously, whenever an error like that um, happens, and I agree, the whole team was sloppy, but uh, some hate can come your way. And luckily, 
we didn't end up losing, so it hopefully limited the hate. But I agree. After that, he was pretty superb, and he actually had a moment where he showed some pace that I didn't know he he quite had in tracking down um, one of the United players that looked like he was clear and behind. But, yeah, I thought he performed pretty well uh, given that mistake. Yeah, I think that might have been Anthony maybe yep. that he yeah. tracked down. But, yeah, he, he looked to be clear in, and I'm not going to lie, something might have came out of my butthole uh, <laughs> there. I might have shit my pants a little bit. But a top party came flying out of the picture screen to to mop that up, and it was really, really, really nice. Um, you mentioned his defensive work; he did so much of winning the ball back. But not only that, yes, he had that giveaway. But other than that, I I can't think of very many cheap giveaways that he had. He was so composed on the ball, just taking everything along. Him and Zinchenko form an immense partnership in there, both defensively and and just controlling the game. Um, speaking of which as well, can we talk about Zinchenko's aerial ability? Because it's that is immense too. That's incredible. I can't I can't even keep track of how many headers he's won in the past two games, both Tottenham and, and United. Anytime the ball's floated out there, he always seems to be getting up and winning the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really helps us keep teams in. Because if a striker drifts over to him, he might actually win the head ball to keep him in. He did win one over Woot in this game. So, you know, that's a big guy. He's jumping out, jumping right there, too. Yeah, I don't want to discriminate on height because I know that you guys are both smaller than Jinteko, but for a five foot nine guy, he is really, really good in the air. And I was, I was impressed at how many he was winning in this game and in the games uh, leading up to it. So, very impressive. Right, well, we'll move on to another player who is pretty, pretty good in the air, and that's Eddie Nketiah, because not six minutes after we, we go down, we come back down the field and, and level up. And that's been a, a really, really persistent thing with Arsenal this year is just how persistent they have been. Uh, anytime we go down, we seem to strike back really, really quickly. And we did so again this time. Ball floats out. I think we have a pretty good interchange out on the left wing with Zinchenko, Odegaard, ends up being Jaka whipping the ball in, and Eddie makes Juan Bissaka look like a statue. Uh, just jumps in front of him and has a towering nice header in Eddie Nketiah's goal-scoring spot, man, in the six-yard box. Always finding that bit of space. So what were you guys' reactions to that? How how crazy do you guys go? I was freaking out, man. <laughs> I just started yelling in my basement. <laughs> yeah, I was pumped. But, I mean, it's such a well-executed sequence over there on the that side of the box you have two of your most arguably three of your most technical players touching it around them Zinchenko Odegaard and laid off to Chaka first time cross that was beautiful that was a perfect cross yeah so it was a great sequence and I, I think it oozed how we played throughout the whole game in that one little sequence Oh, yeah, absolutely. You love seeing that left-footed trio out on the uh, left-hand side, and it's just a beautiful ball from Jaka to uh, get us back level, I think, under 10 minutes after conceding. So can't complain about that. We weren't down and out for too long. No, absolutely not. Um, and like I said, that's been a, a real common theme for us this year, which is has been been really awesome. And what a uh, Jaka redemption arc. I know we talked about that last week, but he's just coming up with – all of these moments, incredible assist. He can do the easy assist, just a simple pass. He can get the cross in. Um, it's been really good to see. Also, shout out Jake. 
Jake sent me a picture today of his brand new Arsenal kit, the home kit this year with number 34 on the back. So good for him. Really repping uh, Arsenal and Jaka. That's his captain. So we'll. we'll I heard he bought a captain's armband with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well played. But I know after that goal, I immediately went down to my phone and had to send a text to that troll, Tori. Because Tory wants to always talk shit anytime something bad happens to Arsenal. You know, Rashford scores and he wants to shout it out like we're not watching. So as soon as Eddie scored, I just had to clap back a little bit. Yeah, has he been watching the Arsenal games this year? Because he would probably know that he's going to eat his words on a text like that um, if he's watched any of the games leading up to it. I think he was just a little a little butthurt about his, his Chelsea playing such a miserable game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say he is watching Arsenal games. He's watching those instead of watching Chelsea play. So that was that was another terrible performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on to the first half. I suppose this is the only time we can talk about Ben White as he was hooked at halftime. I know he he gave away a few passes that that were kind of horrendous. Um, got that yellow card as well, getting stuck into Marcus Rashford. Wasn't his best showing. Don't want to be looked too too much into it because everyone's allowed to have off days. But I know I texted you at halftime, Beckett, and said Ben White might get the hook here on a yellow, and, and that he looked in shambles. Uh, and that, sure enough, Tomiyasu comes out out on the field for the second half. So, are you guys worried about that at all, or what are you thinking there? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not really worried about it because I think. If you if if he wasn't sick or something or didn't have like a minor thing he was dealing with, then I think with Arteta as the coach, the message is understood. If you're getting hooked at halftime, um, he had a bad performance. Like I said, I thought some of his overlaps were not very good. He was cutting space for socket. He just didn't seem on the wavelength with socket like he usually is. So you know, big game. If you're even slightly off, you that can make a big difference. And I think, yeah, obviously it's a huge issue to have him going up against Rashford on a yellow card for another half. So um, I'm, my biggest takeaway from it really is I'm glad that Arteta did it. I mean, sometimes you fans might say, oh yeah, this is something that's obvious, or I think we should do this. We're worried. And I think it was probably obvious to him that he was off on the day. So I'm, I'm glad he made the change. Yeah, definitely. I'm not worried about Ben White. Um, yeah, as we said, you're allowed to have a bad game every every now and again. And um, luckily, I mean, we have uh, proper reinforcements for him, too, and Tomiyasu, and we're not, like, having to sub him off for a guy that, you know, don't know if he's up to par or can fit right into the system. So luckily we have Tomiyasu, which I think makes Arteta's decision a lot a lot easier. That's what I was going to say, man. I I'm not worried about it simply because it doesn't mean that Cedric's going to have to come into the team. Like Tomiyasu, I mean, he is, he is perfectly capable replacement and look how well he did last season. So yeah, I'm, I'm a lot less worried about it with Tomiyasu coming in, especially considering how we're playing now with him kind of tucking in. And as Zinchenko goes on his, his adventures around the field, um, just solidifying Tomiyasu's perfect, perfectly suited for that and can still get around on the overlap as well. So yeah, not too worried about that. Come out in second half and who else, but Bukayo Saka scoring a 
Messi slash Aaron Robin goal and just getting the ball on the wing, cutting inside and putting it far post out way out of the reach of, of David De Gea. So how nuts did you guys go with that goal? Because wow. I mean, I, yeah, you already know. Yeah. Yeah. I was a uh, freaking out again, uh, but <laughs> Luke Shaw wanted nothing to do with Pukai Osaka. I, I mean, he just, well, I think actually it was probably, wasn't that Erickson on him at that time, maybe, but the theme, none of them wanted to actually properly defend him. They just back off, back off, back off. So I, I think the way that Bukayo's kind of having his way with defenders right now is just crazy for how young he is. It's just absolutely crazy. He's, he's such a good player and, Ah oh, man, if he continues like this, yeah, we. I believe in the title. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, Tomiyasu gets the easiest assist of his life in that one when he just gives the ball to Saka and just lets him go to work. And uh, I love the video from behind the post that the ball went into, where it just shows the like four United players just trying to block it and then all turning around and seeing it just nestle into the corner. Like they can't do anything to stop this guy from just changing the game. So when you have a player like that, you're exactly right. You can do, do incredible things in a season. And I'm looking forward to see how he does in the second half. And of course, just like Arsenal did after United took the lead, United come back down and, and tie the game up in the form of a Lissandra Martinez header. Never thought I'd be saying that, but a Lissandra Martinez header. Granted, his head is about three feet off the ground whenever he heads it. Um, still, is it's a good goal. It's it's well well played. Um, is there a Ram still mistake in this? Does he give them the chance? Quite possibly, probably. Um, but what do you guys what do you guys think about that? That good. I just think he has to go for the punch. Um, I'm I'm not a goalie, so I don't I don't I don't necessarily read those situations that well. But there's a lot of traffic. He's reaching over someone. That's a tough one to catch. I uh, just hindsight, you know, you should have punched it. But yeah, so I think there is a little bit of an error. And again, it's they if you're even slightly off against a good team, they're going to punish you. So it. They didn't have many chances, but they converted the half chances that they did have. So it you get punished when you have mistakes like that. Yeah, and I think the error was more so in the, the indecision by Ramsdale. I think he was kind of half committed to getting it and half not, because if he stays off it, I mean, it looks like Tomiyasu is going to win that header, um, but he ends up just running into him. So, yeah, a little mistake that we paid for. Um, I thought Gabriel was going to come up with a goal line clearance there too, but just yeah, a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, um, unfortunate indeed. But as I said earlier, well played, Lissandra. I mean, not much you can do to, to recover from that. You get a little dinged header. Um, just just well placed, put it right where Gabriel or Ramsdale couldn't get to it, and, and it's level. Um, do you think Lissandra has any other headers in his career? Headed goals? I don't. Yeah. I, I I find it hard to believe that he does. Um, I I really find it hard to believe, and that's not taking away from from him or anything. But yeah, I find it really hard to believe that he has. I mean, that's an interesting thing. We should maybe go check. I know that's his first goal in the Premier League, so 
Good thing he had that headband on, man. Yeah, a little extra oomph. Oh, going back. I'm sorry, I, I forgot to mention this too, but I feel like it's particularly relevant. Going back to the soccer goal, I meant to ask, what did you guys make of his celebration? Did you guys catch that? Oh uh, yeah, he did the he did Rashford's celebration, right? Yeah, yeah. Right in the same corner that Rashford had just hit that celebration in the first half. Oh, same yeah. fans and everything. The uh the reception was a bit different though, must I say. I just I love that mentality too. Like, oh you can do it, I can do it, bud. Yeah. Have fun on the bench for England. <laughs> I didn't know Saka had that savagery in him, but yeah. it's good to see. It is good to see. It is great to see. I love that. Um, later after that, after it's tied, Saka almost has another chance. I think that one comes off Erickson. Um, but same exact chance comes in on his left, strikes it, and no way De Gea is getting to it. Absolutely beats De Gea, but unfortunately is beaten by the post, which is, which, oh, if had that gone in, I think the whole entire place would have erupted. But what, what a game from, from that kid. Uh, Bukayo Saka and it's that's been the motif of the season for the most part I know I was a bit harsh on him early in the season when he was he was a little slow and, and not off to the races but boy is he flying now oh yeah he's definitely uh in the nightmares of a lot of Premier League uh fullbacks that's for sure and crazily crazily enough I don't think he's the most informed player on our team uh that probably having to go to Martin Odegaard Let's just talk about the moment that got everyone stirred up this week. Um, last last few weeks, it's been you know the Paqueta Meg or the Meg on Dan Byrne. This might top them all off, even though it didn't come off. But how about that snake flicked pass to Jaka? Oh my goodness, that was disgusting. I didn't even that shouldn't even be legal. You shouldn't even be able to do that. That defied physics. How quick does your foot have to move to whip it around like that? Also, did we talk about, I don't think we talked about this on the pod, but we talked about, you know, some players not having a right foot or whatever. Do you need a right foot if you can just do that with your left? I don't think no. so. That's why, that's why the saying wand of a foot is usually for lefties. How many people, how many right footed players do you hear wand of a right foot? Yeah, maybe, maybe Luke Modric. Beckham. Maybe Beckham. Yeah, maybe Modric, but. Um, yeah, lefties, they don't have the, a lot of times they're just hyper specialized. They don't, like you said, they don't need it. So yeah, that pass was just absolutely insane. And Lee was, Lee Dixon was all over it. <laughs> he called it out. He's like, just watch this then put it on repeat. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the loop of that for like five minutes straight. Cause I didn't realize exactly how I was like, that's an incredible ball, but I didn't even realize the technique. Uh, he's mid run. In real yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can do that standing still, but full sprint with the ball moving like that is just incredible. Yeah. And if not for a great tackle by uh, Martinez, I think it was, that might be the assist season. Yeah. It, and it was perfectly weighted, like you said, just just Jaka. If that's anyone else but Jaka running onto it, it's probably a goal yeah. or at least a shot. Um, but yeah, man, he, he keeps everyone on the edge of the seat. It's incredible that that Arsenal are, are able to. Uh, to have him and i've said it before that might be the transfer of of the decade for arsenal in terms of what you get for what you paid for i mean what an incredible bargain probably probably the most on-form midfielder in in the premier league right now and he cost 
half of most of the most teams starting midfielder which is just just absurd yeah he's he's been incredible i'm glad i got his jersey and um i'm glad he came in basically right as we lose ozil because i i mean when ozil first got here he was that type of player uh, Odegaard gives you something extra defensively, but he was that offensive player like that. So yeah, I I love him. You know, he's this he's my type of player. I, I lo- I'm so glad that we got him. Absolutely, and you're talking about like the debate of who's the most informed player on Arsenal. I just love that every match there's a debate between like three or four players that could be man of the match. And it's like kind of just a toss up because they're all just working so well together and they're all just honestly having individual performances that are great as well. Oh, yeah. This game against United, I think Zinchenko ends up with it, but it could be Enketia. It could be Zinchenko. It could be Saka. Ramsdale had a lot of great saves. Right. If, If Ramsdale, if that second goal wasn't partially on Ramsdale, I think he has a shout as well. Yeah. But he did make a great save on McTominay. On that deflection from on, Rashford? On the deflection, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, could he could go to easily four or five players. And I don't think anyone would blink an eye. So, no, I thought really both good. center backs were excellent, too. Yeah. I mean, the whole game. Also, um, sorry to divert, but Lissandro Martinez has had two other headed goals, both in the air to Vise. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that was his first Premier League goal, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Yep. Interesting. Well, moving forward, uh, I think we were still drew, or we were still tied two-two when an incredible chance falls to Eddie and Ketty on the six, and I don't want to say squanders it because he he makes a good strike on it. Unfortunately, it's just right at De Gea, and De Gea makes a huge save. And pushes it out for a corner kick. Um, did I wanted to ask though? Did you guys think, oh, that was our chance? Like, there we go. Or how are you guys feeling after that? My immediate reaction was, we're gonna get, we're gonna get another one. We're gonna get one more, or just at least another one. So, but yeah, that I, I think the fact that he got it as cleanly as he did was actually quite remarkable because he's pirouetting on his weak foot. And just kind of smacks it. Probably better if he didn't hit it as hard. Maybe it would have thrown off or bounced. I don't know. But yeah, it was pretty clean. Um, but I was still hopeful we were going to get another chance. Yeah, I think that was a prelim to show his just great ability to react in the box. And like you said, solid contact too. I mean, put it on goal is really all you can ask for there. And I I enjoy that his his striking motion was down because i feel like you see a lot of strikers squander that just by skying it um but he he does well i think to make the hay work for it and make a save so i couldn't really fault him for not putting in the back of the net there yeah um i i don't think i was too worried i thought wow that's a that's a brilliant chance we might not get as clear cut of a chance again but for probably the last 15 minutes of the game we were absolutely dominating United, absolutely dominating. They they were just hoofing it clear, and we'd straight back in. Center backers and Chanko would corral it, and we'd be straight back in on the press. Created a ton of looks and just 
absolutely stifling Manchester United, putting out any fire whatsoever, um, just keeping them under constant pressure. And a lot of that has to do with the introduction of our, our newest signing. Well, I guess not newest anymore, but our new signing, Trussard. So how were you guys' reactions with, with him coming on? How, what did you guys think of, of his performance and his cameo? I um I I liked I liked that he was the one to come on because I um, I mean I've, other people have said it but he's probably the most informed attacking player we have not informed with us but at least fitness wise and ability wise so I'm glad they brought him in he twinkled toed along the box a couple times and it, it was nice to see how technical he was he was clean. I, he's gonna be he's gonna be huge for us for the rest of the season. So, and I think he definitely did his part in this game as a attacking substitute. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And uh, I was just so happy that he got to be in the match and actually experience it. Obviously, there was a great atmosphere around the Emirates, but having a debut like that with a, a late winner is just crazy. Yeah, and he plays a huge part in the the goal that we're coming to right now in the 89th minute checks back to the ball. And instead of just playing the pass out wide to Zinchenko early as he could uh, instead takes it, turns, starts driving it in the, into the seam forces Wambasaka to cut inside. It just gives Zinchenko that extra bit of space to get, get towards the inline and cut it back. And Odegaard tries to get on it, does make solid contact, but thankfully Eddie's there and onside for what was it? Really, an incredible finish. Reaction time to the dexterity to be able to get your foot up there, um, the control of his body, everything was was really, really, really awesome to see, and and caps off just an incredible performance from from Inketia. I know I've been harsh on him in the past. I was a doubter. I was concerned when Gabriel Jesus went down, but I mean, I think he is just proving people wrong week after week on on what he can do and is really kind of staking a claim as a as a first team striker in, in a lot of ways. So how how do you guys feel about that? And what was your reaction to the goal? Because I know Sam and I jumped up, went screaming, high five, and going nuts. Oh yeah, I uh, I wasn't really concerned about the VAR review at all. I was pretty much all out celebrating it uh, from the get go. But yeah, I'm just so happy that he's not happy that Jesus got injured obviously, but so happy that he's just running into this run with the team and just taking the most advantage of it as he can. And I really just think that those hailing guys kind of feed off each other's success. And, you know, they see, you see Bukayasaka doing well, you see um, like Eddie doing well, it just gets me excited for, you know, ESR to come back in the squad. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just really happy for Eddie. Yeah, I was uh, I was gripping my chair, my <laughs> the arms of my chair, just waiting for the VAR to tell me that it wasn't offsides because I didn't think it was offsides. But you, again, Manchester United, it'll be offsides. Um, but I, yeah, whenever <laughs> whenever it finally got announced, oh my gosh, I started sprinting through my house. I was just running all up and down, all over the place, going crazy. But I, what you said, Q Trossard having that patience to wait, wait, perfectly timed ball. Sinchenko is everywhere. The man is just everywhere on the field when he's needed. He's, I don't know what else I can say about him, but he's, he's an incredible player. And then for Eddie, 
he's he shows his athleticism multiple times in this game. The, he gets that flick onto it with a weird foot angle, but his header, he's just, he is a pure poacher, man. I mean, he's showing signs of being able to link up play better, and that's what a lot of people were worried about. But his in-the-box instincts, no one's going to convert every chance. But if you give him four chances in a game, he's going to get one goal most games. So I I just really like what he's brought to the team. It's different, and it has its consequences within our tactics and system. But he's brought a lot of good things and he's bringing goals, which I I think we had a, or we had a discussion at one point. Do you think that by the time Jesus comes back, Eddie has more goals than Jesus had before he left. And he's, he's on, he's right there. I mean, he, for the season, he's our leading goal scorer, but I think in that period, he's right there. Yeah, definitely. And, I don't know who celebrated the goal harder, myself or Alexander Zinchenko. Um, that's one thing you love. I mean, he doesn't even get the hockey assist, doesn't get the goal, doesn't get the regular assist, and he's out there yelling, screaming with the fans, going crazy. That was a really, really good sight to see, and it just shows how united this team is. That it's not, you know, it's never a one-man show. Anytime anyone scores, everyone is super pumped, um, and that's that was a huge goal and incredible moment for for everyone that was in the Emirates and I'm I'm really really jealous of anyone that was there because I'm sure the scenes were absolute limbs yeah absolutely that what we were talking about a little sec uh, a second earlier made me want to ask do you guys ever think that there will be a time where Jesus and Enkedia both feature in the starting 11 uh yeah I do definitely I mean they did in the preseason so I thought we would have seen it in the first half of the season. Um, maybe we probably would have if uh, someone else on the wing, one of the wingers got hurt or something. Maybe we would have tried something different. For the most part, everyone has stayed fit except for Jesus. So now that you've given Eddie a run and seen that he can score, I think when he comes back, yeah, that's definitely an option. And I, I think it's an option they might welcome too, in order to give soccer a rest every now and then. Q, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think that that can be a viable option. You, I mean, you watch Gabriel Jesus play striker, and he spends half his time on the right or left wing anyway, so I think he naturally can slide, slide into that role out wide, even if it's just to give uh, you know, Saka a breather one day or Martinelli, um, something like that. I definitely think he can provide some some cover out there. And you think back to his last year, year and a half, two years at City, he was lining up on the right wing frequently. So I don't I don't think there's any problems there. I don't think that that necessarily hurts Gabriel Hayes' pride. I don't think he, you know, gets super upset. Yeah, he wears the number nine, but I think that he's a player that just wants to get in and play. I don't think he'll throw an Anzimate Niles fuss, but all I want to do is play play center mid. I don't think he'll be doing any of that. Yeah, that man just wants to win just like Sinchenko, just like just like Odegaard, just like you know, all the other teams. So I think if he is able to or given the opportunity to slide in somewhere and, and help the team out, he'll do it without without thought because he'd rather be out on the field playing than sitting on the bench whining that he's not playing, playing striker. 
So I don't think there's any problems there. And I don't think it would, I think that that even gives us something different going forward too, that you don't, you don't, you want to get without both of those players on the same field are on the same field at the same time. So, yeah. And I saw, I don't, uh, someone tweeted it out that Martinelli didn't complete a single pass with Eddie and Ketia. And you think about the role that Jesus had with Martinelli's early season form and before the World Cup, how those two were on the same wavelength connecting. Maybe you have seen a little bit of a drop-off from Martinelli because you don't have the same connection with Enkedia as striker. So when you do get Jesus back, I think any way that you can get him in the team, he still creates all sorts of stuff movement with other players around them, including drifting over into a different channel, like you said, Q, and linking up with Martinelli. So uh, I think you'll have a lot more options when he's back. All of them good. Right. So speaking of options, um, let's move forward to the game coming up on Friday, which is our FA Cup matchup against Man City. How do you, what are you guys thinking about that? You guys think we'll go into it full strength, same starting eleven? Do you think we rotate? Do you think it's an opportunity to get some guys minutes where it's not in in the Premier League? So there's I don't want to say there's not as much at stake because progressing in that through that FA Cup, I mean that's obviously important to Arsenal as we are the record record winners there. But what do you guys think? Do you think we chop and change? Do you think that we stick to our guns and try to keep this form going? What are you guys' thoughts on that? Sam, sorry you. Uh, in my opinion, I think we go with an almost full unchanged 11. Um, I think anytime you're playing um, in this way, I think you want to do anything to keep that rolling. Um, I do think that a couple changes could be made, but um, yeah, I think just keeping the form rolling and keeping the squad um, pretty consistent would probably be um, what I would do in this situation. My biggest worry is that we play city three times in like our next six games so i want us to win the game so i want us to play a strong lineup because i think that 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 confidence and momentum is big especially for this team i don't want us to play (laughs) to give away I mean, it's Pep. He knows exactly how we play. So it's not really giving anything away, but whenever you beat Pep, Pep thinks of ways to counter that. And I, I don't know. It's just like an interesting battle between these two, and you're going to see it three times in quick succession that I'm I'm kind of hoping we do a little something different for the FA Cup games than the Premier League games. And maybe Trissard gets some minutes um, ESR needs some minutes. Vieira needs some minutes. These people need minutes before we get back into the Europa League and start having to play those games too. And so I I think we'll go strong. Defense probably the same. Maybe Tomiyasu starts that game. Tierney probably gets a start. So I guess not the same defense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we'll go strong. I think we have a good, strong, solid backup in most, but Thomas Party's going to have to play. So, yeah, we'll see. And I, I'm glad you asked this, Q, because I was going to ask you this question. And I guess this same question kind of involves Europa League, too. So, with all that, like, 
is do you have to prioritize the Premier League right now because of the position you're in? And maybe you just decide you are going to play a weaker team in the FA Cup or Europa League? Or are you trying, are you getting all three? What would you prefer, I guess, or not necessarily what Arteta might do? Um, I think what I would prefer is Arteta's typical strategy right now, which is just game by game by game by game by game, not looking ahead to anything. Um, so, for example, this Man City game, since we have eight days between that game and our next Premier League game, I don't see any problem going going full strength. Why not? You have it's it's not like you're playing Wednesday Sunday, you know. I think that eight days is adequate rest for for any players to be, you know, top for the next game. The only thing, like you mentioned, we play City so many times so quickly, and Pep does already know really. But what I'm thinking is it's it's hard to beat any team in any sport three times in a row that quickly like that. It's really, really hard. And if I had to pick one game to lose to them, it would be this game against or in the FA Cup. Um, Just because I've seen us win FA Cups. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to downplay or anything, but you don't always get this opportunity to be top of the league in the Premier League and, and be really pushing. So I think that, that I would prefer us to, to really push for the, the Premier League when it comes down to, you know, when we're playing Wednesday in the Europa League to Sunday. I mean, if we have to rotate, I'd, I'd way rather rotate in the Europa League and, and risk being knocked out there as opposed to, to dropping off on our Premier League title challenge. Um, that being said, I like I said, I'd prefer a strong lineup this week, but I also want to see some players get get some minutes under their belt that that you might not want to risk in a Premier League game. For example, Emil Smith-Rowe, um, I'd love to see him, if he's back fully fit, to get to get some match fitness under his belt. Fabio Vieira has been pretty good. I don't know if he's ready for a test like Man City, but it would be, it would be a nice test to see him try to play in there. I think that the center backs and goalkeeper, you can keep the, the same. That's not... That's not an issue. Getting Tomiyasu in Tyranny some minutes would be nice, though Tomiyasu got a half and Ben White got a half against United. So I'm not sure who gets that game. Maybe you give it to Ben White and say, hey, show everyone it was just a bad half and, you know, get back on form for Premier League. Maybe you give it to Tomiyasu and say, hey, you know, Ben was struggling. Go out and prove your worth. I don't know. I just don't see us making three midfield changes because there are a lot of midfielders you'd want to see. You'd want to see Trissard get a right run at things. Like I said, Odegaard, or not Odegaard, Smith Rowe. Um, so I see maybe two of those changes, but not, I don't see you chopping all three. And then I guess, yeah, you say it's got to be party. So I guess maybe Lakonga instead of Jaka for a bit, but uh-huh. I don't like that. Yeah, I would have much preferred Camavinga loan signing on Monday and him playing mm-hmm. on Friday. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, I suppose we'll see. We don't know what Arteta is going to do. Only he does. And Pep probably does too, but we'll see if he can stop it. Yeah, and I, I, I think I would agree with that. The Europa League, once you get there, you, t- you do have to. I think you have a lot more questions about Europa League. Right. Because, well, I mean, even if you're in Europa League 
and you have a chance to win that, which we're probably among the favorites. We've never won a European Cup either. So I think you just go as much as you can game by game when you get to them and try to (laughs) weigh form and who you're playing situation as a whole. I will say one good thing that people have been trying to turn into a negative all year is how young we are. Youngest team in the Premier League. You know, so immature, all of these things. But we jump every hurdle that's tossed at us so far. But I think that that plays a big role in in taking things game by game because we don't have five, six, seven, 29, 30-year-olds who are on, you know, those legs and, and need that extra time to recover, whereas the majority of our team is 25 and under. So they, they can go out and play two games a week and, and it won't have that much of a, an effect on them. Obviously, you know, be tired and more injury prone, but in short spurts, I think that that's a, that's a really doable thing for a, a small team or a young team, not small team. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that, that we are, we are fortunate in that case. I've never questioned the, yeah, they're young, but their mentality or maturity either. They've they've shown that they can step up to any challenge, and I don't I don't think they'll have any issues with that either. I mean, the fact that Kyle walks up to take that penalty for England, I don't think you can question mentality at all. Even yeah. though it's not converted, I don't think you can question that. Yeah, and I, I mean, even having Trussard and Smith Rowe, if those guys only have to play sixty minutes a game, sixty minutes a game, two days a week, you, is very very doable. Yeah. So if you played them in Europa League or something and you managed to get a lead, sub making those two ESR and Trissar are solid enough players that they can come in with a one goal lead or something and see it out for 20 minutes where you're more comfortable letting it happen. Yeah. Because they're still a threat. It's not like you're putting Tierney on to play left wing. Yeah. So it's really nice that we have players on our bench that I'm like really eager to watch too. Um, cause that's yes. not always been the case, but yeah, sometimes when you see that subboard go up, you're like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> that's what was happening at the end of last season. And we're yeah. like, well, fuck, what are we supposed to do in these games that we're not taking advantage of? It's like, there's no one else to put on the field. All right. Well, let's move on to everyone's favorite section. This week's weekly wankers. Does anyone have any solid ones they want to throw first? Um, I'll I'll start, I guess. It's it's not entirely for the usual and one that might be mentioned here, but my weekly wanker is just it's Anthony, man. It's Anthony. I just don't fucking understand what Anthony is. I do he's A being outpaced man. he's being outpaced by Thomas Party. He's not beating Zinchenko, who's not a great one v one defender at all, really, throughout the game. And actually, half the game, he was 1v1 in that channel with Gabriel, a center back. He does beat him one time and falls down after he beats him. He doesn't even try to go get the ball. He just runs into Gabriel and falls down. So I don't. how the fuck is that guy 100 million? I completely understand. I completely understand Ukraine or Shakhtar being Budrig better than Antony. I understand that. 100% and that's why Mudrick cost 100 million. Oh, Zinchenko and and Anthony were going one on one. Zinchenko was just torching his ass every time he yeah. got on the ball. Exactly. Yeah, ba- yeah, baffling to me as well. 
Um, I literally have that in my notes. I'm like, what do I have here? Anthony is a rat who fucked the transfer market. Yeah. And it's harsh to put it on him because that's Man United. He he didn't ask for that, you know, transfer fee. Um, but yeah, absolutely fucked everyone. So thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, and Lee Dixon had a good, good couple digs at Anthony throughout the game too. He at one point he was just like, I don't even mean to keep calling it out, but look at him. It was when Thomas Party chased him down, and he's like, look, he just like he just runs him down. Where's the burst of speed? Where I love Lee Dixon. <laughs> Completely impartial on the commentary. Yeah, but I don't think he gently. I don't think he meant to be completely against Manchester United. But I, everybody's having the same thought, dude. Anthony's not doing shit. Is and, who's the bigger fraud, Anthony or Darwin? It's got to be Anthony, right? Because Darwin's at least getting chances. He's just Fernando Torresing him. Yeah. Yes, it's a hundred percent Anthony, and it's kind of also Sancho. Yeah, Sancho is might ooh, be ooh, might ooh, be ooh. Sancho is above Darwin as well. Yeah, we'll see a trend that. here, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about McGuire? Lord <laughs> knows that he. I mean, he he was. They were playing Luke Shaw at center back in front of their eighty million dollar signing. Yeah. Yeah. What a joke. What a but joke. you are right. Lee is a little biased. During the broadcast, he also said that. Just to be clear, Gary Neville and I aren't friends. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. That was awesome. Um, you know what? I'm fine with it though because Graham Lasso is so biased against Arsenal anytime he's commentating. So it's like it's nice to have have something nice going for us every once in a while. So I mean, we'll take it. Okay, Beckett's got Anthony is his WW. What about you, Sam? Yeah, mine's going off the pitch, and it's it's pretty simple. But anyone who has dropped Talon just be or dropped Talon from their FBL team or hasn't been captaining him since he went two games without a goal, I noticed there's three people in our league that did this, and they're all the bottom three, which is just not shocking at all. This man is on pace for 50 goals. He goes without a goal for two games. Like does not warrant any changes. And if you're debating on who your FBL captain should be, you're just completely overthinking it. Well, that's hilarious because he goes two games without a goal and then completely makes that up in the next game exactly. and scores a hat trick. Um, I will say this. Shout out Morgan. Morgan's really invested in my FPL and the Premier League. She's gotten crazy, crazy about it this year. Um, but she was Is she captaining me, Holland? She was like, yeah, I don't think you should captain Holland. He's, he's not doing good right now. Um, telling me this as we're watching the City game. I'm like, all right. And, you know, and he he's not. I'm not saying he's not scoring, but he's not getting anything done. So I'm sitting there, you know, I'm like holding my ground. I'm like, no, I definitely should. And she's like, well, I think you should captain soccer or someone, you know. And uh, I went downstairs to take a shower. I see Howland score a goal. Go down and take a shower. I'm looking at my phone. He's got another goal. So I go to FPL to look at it. And then he's got another one. I'm like, oh, my God. So I immediately text her. Right before I jump in, I'm like, and that's why I captain him. Because yeah. I'll, within 10 minutes, he's got a hat trick. He's just a whole nother animal. So Sam basically just said Morgan is one of his weekly wankers. Exactly. And I, and for the purposes of my FPL team, I hope Quentin starts listening to her <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, she's got some good stuff going, too. She she does have an anti Holland agenda though I will say that and I don't understand. It's a good shout on Saka though. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. he scored. Yeah, well Saka's been putting up returns left and right. He's yeah. been playing well, but 
It's just not at the same pace as, as Holland, man. He's a whole other animal. All right. I guess that leaves mine. Uh, we'll, mine goes back a few weeks now. Uh, we didn't have one on our last episode. So this kind of spans a few weeks, but it was encapsulated by this weekend as well. And my weekly wanker is Greg Berhalter. Um, <laughs> what an idiot. Uh, so I don't know if you guys followed it, but stuff came out with Gio Reyna's mom uh, coming out and kind of kind of stoking the fire about a domestic abuse incident that Greg Berhalter wasn't involved with, uh, with his wife, like uh, probably 19 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. A long time ago, which right. Terrible should never do anything like that. Right. So that's, that's reason enough to be weekly anchor. Then fast forward to this world cup. Another reason why he tells one of his best players that he's going to have limited involvement at the world cup before it starts. Um, that again is, is grounds enough for weekly wanker because why would you tell anyone in your camp that they're not important before the tournament even starts? It makes no sense. How do you know that you're not going to have to rely on them later <laughs> if someone gets injured or like, why would you even plant that seed in someone to, to discourage them like that? It, it, the, the psychology behind it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Um, but what really made me decide this was what Gio Reyna does on his return to, to top flight football this past weekend just scores an incredible goal to put Dortmund ahead on uh, after being subbed on um, and then does the, I can't hear your criticism celebration, which is just, which is just awesome. And I, I mean, it really puts icing on the cake for Greg Berhalter's downfall, which I think a lot of us have been preying on for a long time too. shout out Brad. Uh, but like, why, what did he do not to warrant being in, on the team when he can score a goal like that. And we, we scored two goals in the world cup. And one of them is a fucking accident. Like you, you want to know what the cherry where, on the icing on that cake is USA played tonight and he's not coaching. Gio Reyna scored today in the 93rd minute to win the game for Dortmund. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Egg fucking exactly. But he, he's going to get limited involvement in the, with the U S national team when we can't score a fucking goal. Dude, what is wrong with U.S. soccer aside so from politics? Of, some of my friends have been uh, started following soccer, obviously, we, um, with Brentford. But I'm glad we're considered friends now, Beckett. No, I just some, some uh, I, I've been getting questions about the situation with Burhalter and no, wait, sorry, about Beckett's friends, Brady. I can't think of the other guy's name right now, but he told us to make a new podcast. So shout out, you guys! This is for you. Stop. Steven? Steven, that's right. Okay. You guys got yeah. glasses like me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout out Steven. Uh, but but I, I've, I've been getting questions from Barrett about the Bear, Berhalter situation with Gio and like, well, what what's going on, all this stuff. And uh, as soon as I saw his first goal over the weekend, I just sent him the link. And I was like, this guy wasn't supposed to play or get – this guy was told he wasn't getting playing time at the World Cup, dot, dot, dot. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Look what he just does. He can score from anywhere on the field. That's a dangerous player. Even if he's only playing 30 minutes, 20 minutes, the end of a game, substitute, you don't tell him at the beginning he's not going to play. What else do you? That's the part that I don't get. Why would you ever plant that seed in a young player's mind? Like, yeah. what do you, what kind of reaction do you expect? 
when you're already told, no matter how hard you train, you're probably not going to play. Well, what yeah. what react, reaction do you expect from a young kid? You completely completely kill his morale. So I'm not surprised that he wasn't Confidence, on his A again. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I I mean you. Obviously, the way it escalated on his family's part is tragic and not what you want to see, but I also wouldn't think that he told his parents, go blackmail the coach so that I can play. He probably voiced his frustrations and his parents took it too far. But yeah, I mean, Bearhalter can't coach this team ever again because you can't have a player that good that just doesn't want to play for your national team because the head coach. Right, and then let's not forget the real catalyst here in that. In that, uh, what do you want? What do you want to even call it? What what their parents did was Greg Berhalter airing that out in an interview. He, you know what I mean. He tells Geo that you know this is all going to be kept within house. That we almost sent you home, all that, and then he goes and and blasts him on in an interview. It's like, what what are you doing, man? Like you're just trying to kill any cohesion that this team has. I I don't know. I don't understand. Justified weekly wanker. Good luck next time, Greg. With two G's, fucking douchebag. <laughs> I also I hate I hate. I'm sorry, but any coach that feels the need to wear these flashy ass J's on the sidelines can kick rocks, man. Like, what are you doing, dude? You wear a t-shirt sweatpants and some ugly ass Jordans. Like what, what are you, you're not coaching <laughs> basketball, bro. I'm a fan of comfort. That's not, those aren't comfortable, man. You're not well, telling me those are comfortable. Shoes I don't care about, but yeah, everything else. I'm a I don't full mind the other guy. stuff, but you don't have to be a swag king on the sideline, man. That's like, that's not what you're there for. I just think that he's, he's taking that time on TV to like, try to make a statement about his, himself and it's like what dude just go and win the fucking game they're scoring man's probably man's probably worried about his fit before he comes out instead of you know his halftime talk he's like oh do i look good man my my head shiny <laughs> so you what you're probably idiot. a big fan of arteta's fits because i don't think yeah it's changed. basic as just hell all black. Yeah, i love it i he love that it's all black i love it yeah uh, what what can go wrong with that no i mean i don't i don't i'm you're right. I'm a fan of comfort. Like I don't have any problem with Klopp wearing his Liverpool tracksuit because it's Liverpool shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't have any problem with Pep. Pep goes comfortable all the time, but he, it's it's bland. It's basic. It's not trying to be. Show you don't off. need to draw. Yeah, drag the attention to yourself as yeah, a coach. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I don't know. I've that? seen Pep wear some fashion forward stuff, <laughs> scarves yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but even so, it's not like. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, like it's outright like a, flashy. A mild, yeah, so. yeah, they're not red, white, and blue Jordans, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I just don't get it. I, and plus, you're like 45, dude. Like, maybe if you're like a 20 year old coach, you know what I mean? Like the same age as the players, or younger than some of them, I can see that. But like, dude, you're you're supposed to be grown up, man. Nah, <laughs> former player. <laughs> Is that what we call them? I don't know. Whatever, man. Whatever. That's enough of that. Good round that of wankers, though. Weekly wanker round, yeah. Anthony, um, Greg Berhalter. Yeah, good one. All right, should we move on to the final segment? Who's got a big old pee-pee for us? <laughs> <laughs> I think Sam's got a good one he was talking about, so we'll let we'll let him. him I've got a que- I've got two questions for you guys after this. 
Well, let's get them out of the way first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. PP um, later. You'll get your PP later. Uh, yeah. Uh, so first, I wanted to ask you guys what are what are your thoughts about the rumors on Declan Rice? How do you feel about that? Is that a player you want? Is that something you'd like to be hearing coming out of the club? Absolutely. Yeah. I would. I would absolutely love that. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't think you could find a a much better. Um, fit for the system and you know i hope that would come true this summer yeah i think that that is a Jacques succession plan that probably occurs immediately as soon as declan rice is in the team i mean he's just so athletic he's been he's a mince for england when he plays um and is able to be a in that dull pivot he's a great carrier of the ball he can score a goal from from outside the box uh aerial presence I was lucky enough to see him play for West Ham on Boxing Day. Um, yeah, he's. He, I would be really, really excited, and he's. He would fit in. I feel like with this, with this young core of teams, a bunch of his his England youth team teammates uh, in Enketia, and I'm pretty sure him and Enketia got in a little scrap last year whenever we played West Ham. Yeah, they did. Um, but I mean, in a game that's all hot, I'm sure if he comes into the dressing room and probably be bygones be bygones and we're on the same side now you know let's go win and i think declan rice is desperate to be in in a dressing room that has that sort of mentality as well so again if mikel wants him and 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 he's backing it i he's done nothing for me to lose lose his faith and and edu as well honestly so if it's yeah. attainable and it doesn't you know throw a wrench in everything else that we want to do I, Obviously, yeah, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I mean, he's a yeah. unit, and it'd be adding another captain to the squad. Right, yeah, that's what I meant to say as well. He's got, I mean, I think I've only heard good things about his mentality, too. So Yeah, he's probably, bo- I mean, well, he's definitely boys with those England guys from within the, their squad, but they're in London, too, so they, they probably cross paths with each other and hang out from time to time. Yeah, I mean, he gives you he gives you depth for Shaka role and for party role, in one player, which is, it would be great to have that. And yeah, I think it's something a lot of people would be excited to add to the team. And I think you're right. His mentality is top level. And Arteta is someone, those two seem like a match made in heaven to work with each other. So yeah, I'm all about it. I've seen rumors of like 80 million because I think he only has one year left on his deal. And if that's what you end up getting him for, or close to that, that's probably good. I think that's, that's a bargain, including yeah. the English tax. Uh, yeah, I think that's a bargain, especially when you when he was being linked with Chelsea for 160, 170 in the last last few years. I think that's an absolute steal. I'd probably prefer him to be in the in the Jaka role in the system as opposed to the party role. I just think he's too good of a of a progressive dribbler to to limit him in the party role. Yeah, he could definitely agree. do it in a pinch. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's probably if Party gets hurt. Right, that that's your rotate guy, and you could plug someone else higher up. But yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think his ball carrying ability is a very high level for someone his size that can get you up the field quickly. He, right. you see him do it for. I mean, West Ham do it all the time when he spearheads through the midfield with the ball. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested in that. I had another thought for you too, which we've talked about this previously, but this is on the other side, sales. 
Um, we've talked about Sambi leaving possibly in the summer. Do you think he could go to Burnley with um, Company? I think Company was the one who recommended him to us in the first place. Right. I right. was just thinking he about that. that. He, he was captain of, of Company's Anderlecht side. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see that. I mean, it, it might be a good fit and let him let him go and, and run it a little bit. Would you want that uh, as a as a complete sale or would you want that on loan and, and bring him back? I saw we we declined an option to loan him to Monaco today uh, just because of El Nini's new new injury yeah. that he picked up, uh, which is unfortunate because I think that would have been a really, really good thing for him to do is go and, and play on a regular basis in, in the French League. I mean, look what the French League's done to Saliba. Look what it's doing to Balogun. I think that would have been a real good option. Um, so unfortunate that it, it, he's not able to go, but would you think that move to Burnley would be on loan or a full stop sale? Um, I would think that it's probably a full stop sale because if you are picking up Declan Rice, Sambi immediately becomes kind of Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Irrelevant. So if you can get Burnley trying to play more technical football, coming up into the Premier League, trying to not get relegated or go right back down, they might be willing to pay close to thirty million. I think that's high end, but I was going to say probably like fifteen or twenty. I'd probably. Be I was going to say my my gut is probably around twenty, but I could also see it in that range, or it might be a situation where loan option to buy for twenty five or something at the end of the season. I don't know. But yeah, I I was just thinking because exactly what you said, Captain Anderlecht with company. But yeah, I mean, I've seen a few rumors of him heading out. Monaco, we turned it down. I agree. Too important for not having El Nenny. I also saw Tierney might be heading out. We kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, is that something you guys think could happen this summer? Yes, and I don't think it's it's a fact that like Arteta doesn't want him or any sort of thing there. I think it'd be more of a respect thing to Tierney, being Tierney like I'm in the almost the prime of my my career. I want I want to be playing every week, uh, so I think it would be more of a a respecting his wishes and letting him go. And I don't think there'd be any ill feeling or anything. I I love Tierney and I'd love him to stay, but I wouldn't hold it against him if he put in a request saying send me to yeah. a team that, that I'll play on because I want to be playing. That guy's too big of a competitor to be sitting on the bench. I think you could get decent money for him as well. Definitely. I, mean, I wouldn't be worried about that. And I, I you, you're definitely making your money back on. Yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I mean, you're paying, I mean, if you sold both those players, you're paying for half, over half of probably Declan Rice. So, yeah. It'd be, it's going to be so sad if he does end up going because past couple of years, he's been just so crucial to the team when we're only scoring, you know, maybe one or two goals a game. And he's just such a great defender. But now with Shinchenko and the whole offense, you know, we're well, able to put up three, four a game pretty consistently. It kind of stinks that he's not been getting the minutes that he's accustomed to. All right. Well, Real quick, talking about the link we've had, we shout out to, to Kirar, our new center back signing. 
Um, haven't, not going to lie, I haven't watched Spezia play a whole lot. Um, but he fits the profile we're looking at. Uh, he's really versatile, can play in the midfield, can play center back. Um, looks to be an Arteta player, left-footed center back. It's, I mean, Arteta's made it clear that he wants a right-footed and a left-footer playing all the time. So that's good. That's that's positive. Um, that, and we're also linked with that Fresnada, Fresnada guy. It looks like we're competing with Newcastle for him. Um, I just love that because that definitely means Cedric's time is up if we are to, to sign him. Uh, yeah, obviously, that's a fist pump celebration there. No offense to Cedric, but it's like, man, I'll, I never want to watch you cross the ball ever again. But yeah. yeah. I... No offense, though. <laughs> no, offense. no offense. You're just, you're just not up to it, mate. Yeah, he's not up to the standard, but he's going to Fulham uh, for the rest of the season. So that'll be good. You know what? I and think... that is good because Mitrovic can probably take advantage of those looped crosses more than yeah. Gabriel yeah. Jesus can. Yeah. And that Fresnetta, yeah, he's supposed to decide. Hopefully he picks us, but I think he'll get loaned back too for the yeah. rest of the season. Yeah, which is fine. Get him playing. We've got two right yeah. backs that are yeah. more than capable right now. So. And it's good to have Kivior in this season. If he can help you, that's fantastic. But yeah, he's probably, I mean, to have him have half a season to at least get accustomed to it, you know, when we start next season, he's going to be hit the ground running. And yeah, I agree. Fits the right profile, brings a, Brings his fiance over, who's number two twerker in Europe, apparently. Competes in twerking competitions and is number two. In this Europe. guy's a dog. Number two, did you say? <laughs> number two. I think oh, she got we're, second we're gonna place. We're going to have to work on that. We're going to have to work on that. <laughs> wow, I'll be the judge of that. Wow. That's hilarious. That that's, is hilarious. That's interesting news there. I didn't even know that was a thing. Either did I. I saw it on. Uh, I think it was an. I think it was in the athletic article. <laughs> wow, wow! One of the comments. <laughs> one of the comments was to your point. I didn't even know that was a thing. Twerk dancing. Number two. Well, hopefully by next podcast we're number one. <laughs> wow, that'll definitely help us case in the dressing room, though. <laughs> the undressing room. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, the more you know. And that's our new Arsenal signing. Well, we're just building the brand, right? Appealing to uh, people with interests other than football yeah, as well as people with football. It's a youth movement at the club and a for youth our image. movement. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Here, kids, come watch. Oh, no. no. Well, I mean, you're Arsenal appealing to a younger generation. Oh, yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, all about yeah. the twerking, man. All right. Well, before we go. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to myself. Uh, I sent you that a screenshot of a text earlier, Rebecca. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a text. I dug it out from the depths from May 4th, 2021. Let me see if I can find it. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you is right. Maybe I didn't send it to you. I know I took a screenshot though. You did. You did. Here we go. Quick shout out to myself. May 4th. 2021 at 2.24 p.m. I can only imagine that Manchester City was playing and I was watching it while doing tax returns. But I say, I know I've said it before, but I would take Zinchenko at Arsenal in a heartbeat. Yeah, and you should be more hyped because you said, I know I have said it before. So this right. is the documentation so been, for I've it, but top, yeah, no, I agree. about it before that. 
as yeah, well. I just we remember both... watching him play at City at left back and, and thinking, oh my God, this guy is so smooth. He could be, well, he could walk into like four positions at Arsenal right now. Yeah, I knew, well, and I, you sending that, I actually thought when you sent it that I was the one saying it because I know we had talked about him because when he had played for Ukraine and he actually did play in the midfield, we were like, this shoot, especially where we were at the time, Jacques was not playing well. Our thoughts were this dude could easily step right into our midfield and play that spot. So, right. yeah, we, we had talked about getting Zinchenko a few times, and yeah, he is a, baller i'm very glad that we did it he proved us right well later Congrats, in those texts too after that it talks about um zinchenko's probably the most accessible that we could possibly get they'd be the the one most willing to to let up and who would have thought you know here we are almost two years later and we not only took him but also gabriel jesus as well which is another one that we definitely would have taken back then too and then yeah. completely yeah. flip the script and are at top of the table. Right. That's all it takes, baby. You know what I mean? Hey, all I know them. is they sh- they should probably listen to Q and I more often. That's that's no that's kidding, the huh? moral. No kidding. You want to do uh, your uh, big do PP? Oh yeah, we almost forgot about PP. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll lead us off on this one. I I just came up with a potential parlay for the upcoming FA Cup match. Four-legger. First one is both teams to score. Second leg is... Can't, you can't bet against Holland. Yeah. The second leg, speaking of that, is Erling Holland to have one shot on target. Third leg... Oh, easy money. <laughs> third leg is Arsenal to have over three and a half corners. Leg four is Arsenal plus two alternate spread. The odds on the four-leg parlay are plus 403. So pretty good return on your investment. I wouldn't throw a whole lot of money on it, but you know I'm going to definitely throw a little bit of wager on it. And I think it's not betting advice, but if I were you, I would lock it in. <laughs> no offense, but it's just not very good. <laughs> I, I I just took Arsenal on the money line uh, this past weekend, and then I was so pumped that we won that I completely forgot about it. And I got onto my account and I was like, oh, wait, I got a lot more money than I thought I had. And then realized, oh, shit, I won a bet. I did uh, I did the same, except I parlayed it with them to score over one and a half, which I've been doing this almost this entire season, which has been working out pretty well for me. Yeah, I'll do it. That will do it. I'm not big on betting on our games. I get all I get more anxious than I should just because money's online. See, I like it because. I feel like I know what's not, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but I've got more knowledge. I'm more knowledgeable on the game because I'm actually researching it and, you know, looking at it from an analytical sense. But also, I get nervous anyway and I put money on it. And then I'm so nervous about the game, I forget that I even have money on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm just so engrossed with the game that I just, whatever. Yeah, maybe. I just, you would, you would think win. these are your best chances to bet because this is the, most informed you will ever be compared to any other game. Right. Yeah. So you're saying I should put my life savings on us against Everton? Yeah, and parlay it with us winning the league and the Europa League. <laughs> and and the rest of the games this season. It's not betting advice, but you should lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, go get go get that uh credit card. The checkbook out. That's we'll see right. you at the register. Yeah, on the at the end of the season, you can buy us a new house for it. 
Yeah. Keep us updated on your parlay, Sam. Well, I hope you'll be watching the game. Yeah. What the, yeah. What the hell, man? But yeah, but I won't be. I won't remember that his parlay on Friday. You post it, and I'll refer remember, to the yeah. pod, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna listen to the pod six times. Yeah, and get it ingrained. In, I'll text in it to you at kickoff. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, a little before, so you can lock it in. All right. What if Holland well, doesn't start and Julian Alvarez starts? Well, that'll void though. That'll void it. Not if Holland comes in at like. Which will take. If Holland comes in in the eighth minute, he's getting a shot on goal. <laughs> All right, you've thought of everything. Yeah, that's the leg I'm least worried about too. Unless, yeah, unless he doesn't start, I guess. But is what it is. You'll be all right. All right. Well, I think that just about covers everything that we needed to cover this week. What do you guys say? Absolutely. Let's go with me. Two thumbs up. All right. Well, in that case, we will see you guys after the, the FA Cup tie against Man City to review that game, talk about any transfer developments that might occur between now and then, as well as talk about the upcoming match against Everton, in which they will have a brand new manager, so we'll have to face that hurdle of of the new manager bump that I don't think we'll have any problem with. I agree. Nice. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. See you guys.